Hi, this is Dan Sullivan, and I'm here again very, very excitedly with my partner, Peter Diamandis, and we're going to talk about exponential wisdom. And Peter, something that I've been playing around with since I've known you, because you always challenge me to come up with new concepts to wrap around the information you give me. And one of them, I started taking a look at a scorecard of how innovations are accepted when you bring out something new that will bring about fundamental change. What do you have to look for in the general public? Because usually something big doesn't happen in the public sphere unless there's widespread user acceptance. So I created a thing called acceptance momentum of certain things that have to be true in the minds of you know average people who will make use of the breakthrough. Almost everything that we talk about, whether it be lifetime extension, whether it be the complete change over the transportation system, the introduction of artificial intelligence in all parts of life, there's going to be a period where people have to get used to this. Sure. So I just took a look at some mindsets that have to be there. And one of them is that people say, well, you know, of course, it's sort of normal. Yeah, I see this all around me. And cell phones is probably one of the fastest adaptations that I've ever seen of a technological breakthrough. You know, I mean, the iPhone, I think this year was 10 years old. And all of a sudden, I mean, if you talk to people, you know, about their iPhone, they wouldn't think, well, what are you talking about my iPhone? Of course, I've got my iPhone. So there was a (laughs) very rapid acceptance momentum that happened with the iPhone. So, Dan, it is a fascinating subject. And it's interesting, right, because you see these things zip along or fail. And the question is, what is it that gets them to succeed or fail? And iPhone is a great example. There are many great examples that just pop into my mind as I'm I'm thinking about this right now. My rule of thumb is if something is 10 times better, and you can have that in multiple dimensions, it can be 10 times cheaper, it could be 10 times easier, it could be 10 times faster, faster, that 10x is enough to get people psychologically to have the pain to switch over. Mm-hmm. I opened my book bold with the story of Kodak. When digital photography came along, it was 10 times better on multiple dimensions. And if you look at the curve of film photography falling off a cliff and digital photography taking off, it's amazing. You see just the number of film photographs literally fall off a cliff and digital photographs explode a hundredfold in the number over the course of a few years. You see the same thing when Blockbuster went bankrupt and Netflix exploded. Uh, On the day that Blockbuster went bankrupt, Netflix is worth $2 billion. Today it's $70 billion riding on top of an exponential growth curve. You saw the same thing with horse and buggies going off a cliff and cars coming into their existence. I'm sure electrification the hardline phone, the mobile phone, all of these things. Telephones, yeah. the same thing. Yeah. yeah, I remember, you know, because I was born into the car and bus and train, and then within 20 years, flying was just considered very, very normal that you would fly, go to the airport, and you'd fly to L.A., and it wasn't a big deal. In the old days, people would say, well, how'd you get to Los Angeles? And they'd say, well, it was a three-day train ride. Yeah. And then, you know, within 20 years, people said, well, you know, we just flew. Yeah. When people want to know why you're bringing up the topic, you know, there's been widespread acceptance momentum for a particular thing. So I'm just very, very interested in it because 
as you know, I have encyclopedic interests, and part of it is if you want people to change in a particular direction, you have to take a look at a lot of factors of how they are now and how they're looking at things. And with each of the mindsets they have, then there's got to be some work on the part of the innovator to address people where they are and show them where the bridge is to the future, you know, what kind of shift they have to have. But I think your 10 times thing is the crucial idea here, but it has to be a perceptible 10 times. In other words, there are some technologies where it's 10 times after you get used to it, but there's some of them where the 10 times is obvious right at the beginning. People don't like change. People like doing the same thing they always did the same way they've always done it. And there's a cost to changing. You have to learn something new. You have to buy something new. You have to change your processes. And the money saved, the time saved, the energy saved is on the back end of this new process. It needs to be sufficient that the activation energy is de minimis in comparison. I've been a lifelong Edison student. I grew up two miles from where Edison was born, and his house is a museum in northern Ohio. Edison was one of the people who created the electric light bulb. Mm -hmm. It happened around five or six different places around the world within a decade. But Edison had the advantage that he did it in the United States, which was kind of a country of change. He was a good marketer, and he understood the capital markets. But the real thing that put him on the map was that he it was roughly a 10-block by 10-block section of New York City that in a day when things got dark at night, he lit up 10 blocks by 10 blocks in New York City at a single generator that did it. And this became a huge attraction to go to this area of the city at nighttime and walk the streets that were all lit up. Previously, it had been gas lamps. You know, it was kind of dull. And all of a sudden, you had this brightness. So there's some big thing. Oftentimes, we'll get the message across very, very quickly. And you get widespread acceptance because it gets reported on. I mean, I go back to your first XPRIZE. You got more global media on your announcement in St. Louis on that. And that actually probably drew in all the teams that wanted to compete for the prize and everything like that. So you're invested in a lot of new things which aren't at the general acceptance level right now. So how do you think about that? You know, we got a certain narrow window. We're putting money into something and we're not getting money back from it right now. So how do you think about where's our point where we just have to start getting some real momentum on acceptance for this? So one of the things that's interesting is can you activate a viral network as well to drive acceptance? So for example, there's this network effects type of thing. When I bought my first fax machine, the fax machine became infinitely more useful if the people I wanted to communicate with also had a fax machine. Mm -hmm. So I would pressure them, hey, dude, go buy a fax machine. And if you went and bought one, and then they would pressure their friends. And so you'd have this exponential growth of the number of fax machines. So it's not only is it useful, but am I incentivized to become a marketeer for this because my utility goes up when you get it? And that's mm -hmm. a viral driver. Those are two points. Does, does my getting this service product 
make my life 10 times better on one or multiple dimensions? And then am I incentivized to go and promote it to people? And if both of those are true, you get an explosion, right? Facebook was such an explosion, right? Getting my friends on it made it much more interesting and useful to me. So I'm looking at those two factors all the time. I mean, I can just see the day when you're like 135 years old and you look younger than you do today and you're giving a speech and let's say there's a million people watching. I think that that would have a big effect. (laughs) But do you see yourself, I mean, here's a question. I don't think we've ever talked about this, but to what degree do you have to be a role model for a lot of the things that you believe in? Well, it's a great question, Dan, and I think 100% whatever I talk about, I can't promote or talk about something unless I fully believe it and experience it and do it. I can only speak passionately about things that I believe so much that I do it for myself. Mm-hmm. And if I'm not, then that's just bullshit and I'm, you know, that's not me. I wear my emotions and my experiences and everything on my sleeve. Mm-hmm. And what you see is what you get. So, yeah, I think I have to not only be the role model, I'm going to be experimenting with it. I'm going to be using it. I'm going to be, period. Yeah, and I think that that's really crucial because one of the first things that people look for, you have somebody who's introducing a new idea or a new possibility, they're looking for transparency with the individual, you know, that they're 100% in on the thing that they're encouraging other people to explore and to get involved in. So my attitude is, you know, I have a rule in strategic coach that I never talk about anything in coach that we're not doing inside the strategic coach company. In other words, I'm not going to recommend any of our strategies for entrepreneurs to think about their business, how they handle their teams, unless we're doing that ourselves and doing it successfully so that we can show a different kind of result. So my feeling is that when you bring out a new innovation, there has to be a real transparency. There's that famous hype curve that you gave us at the very- The the Gardner hypes. yeah. Yeah. And one of the things that I really notice a lot, because I, you know, since I've really got directly involved with you, with the Abundance 360, and then also with the podcast here, is that I'm constantly looking, is this at the hype stage, you know, where money is being spent to hype something which would not be obvious to people in their normal, ordinary life. But I use this when I put in this innovation, the acceptance momentum. I have this scorecard when I bring out a new idea. I go down and say, at what number am I with this new idea? Mine are all conceptual innovations. They're not Mm -hmm. physical innovations, but I'm trying to get that. So yesterday I did this thing of encouraging people to think about living another 20 years. Mm -hmm. And then I tell my story that I've been thinking this way that I'm going to be living to 156, and I've been living this way for 30 years, and this is the number. And I tell all the things that I do, all the things you've introduced me to, and how I'm planning my life and kind of exercise regime I'm on, just like you were talking about your diet and and all the testing I'm doing and all the specialists that I'm seeing. And that gives a reality to people's lives. I think we look at individual humans as one of our biggest proof of whether something is acceptable or not acceptable? Ultimately, 
Yes. In other words, I look at somebody, you know, Tony Robbins has been an extraordinary person in my life as a teacher, as a friend, as an investor. When he exudes confidence in how he's using different techniques, either psychological or physical, you see that. And if you believe it, then you're willing to try it yourself. Mm -hmm. You look to the person for their, how authentic they are, how excited they are, and then you're willing to try it. And then ultimately, if it actually makes a difference in you and you become a provocateur, a carrier for moving that idea forward, you know, you get this serial, this expanding sphere of acceptance. So that's very true. And I, and I think about it for my own self in terms of what are the changes I need to make in my life so I'm fully congruent with what I say and what I do. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's something I'm always looking for. Like I've just recently been... You know, I tend to take notes and journal in a notebook, and I'm now looking at, okay, I need to dematerialize that and digitize that. And so I'm looking at different things. Our, one of another coach client, Christian Cattaccini, who's the CEO of HeroX, is basically using an iPad and Evernote for doing everything. So I'm going to take a serious look at, at switching over. And there's a cost to that. I have to spend the time, get operational, mm-hmm. get the technology, but also get my team set up and then... You know, there'll be deceptive benefits in the beginning, but eventually that will transform and have significant benefits I'm not even cognizant of right yet. Another aspect of it is because I'm a participant in Bold Ventures, which is your venture fund, yeah. Venture fund. And I'm wondering if the conversation you're having with all the innovators that you've chosen to be in Bold Ventures, whether they are looking at the acceptance curve and where the momentum and this I'm kind of designing this because I have a lot of innovators in the program a lot of technological innovators and what I've noticed is an absence they keep talking about the benefits they keep talking about their innovation from the standpoint of this is what we're trying to do we're creating this but they tend to talk about it in a competitive way with existing things that are in the marketplace. And I said, well, ultimately, uh, the customers determine whether it's going to be a good thing or a bad thing. What I'm trying to shift all the innovators in Strategic Coach is to have an acceptance momentum and think, how do you make this a normal thing in people's lives? And that was really why I brought it up as a topic in the exponential wisdom, because there's a lot of good ideas that don't make the cut. There's a lot of good ideas that they get into early, and then somebody else takes advantage of them later in the cycle. And I I just feel that the whole topic of how are the target consumers you're looking for, how are they looking at things, and are you creating bridges for them to actually grant acceptance to the new thing that you're actually inventing? So that was my thought here on the podcast here. I mean, this is the rest of your life. You're going to be investing, you're going to be exploring for the rest of your life. I'm in the business of creating thinking tools, and this is a thinking tool. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, I think, you know, as an entrepreneur, when I start a new product or a service, getting people to use it, accept it, promote it, and benefit from it is critically important. So I think what you put forward as your scorecard here is ultimately a way of evaluating, do I go forward with a particular product or service as an entrepreneur? In other words, if you can't get acceptance from the marketplace, 
if you can't get momentum from the marketplace, you can't push a rock uphill. Mm-hmm. And we've all had products or ideas that explode and are easier to sell and easier to promote and those that are just extraordinarily hard and it's hard work. And I think that understanding what leads to one versus the other is important because you have to decide, is what I'm doing always going to be this hard or am I just not presenting it the right way? And should I kill this and go and try something new? And I think where we are right now, I read a very, very interesting statistic, and this has political implications in a series of recent elections in the world. But they now find that Americans get 70% of their news from social media, not from the mainstream media. And the type of discussions that I put on the innovation are all the kinds of things that people would write in social media. They would tweet about this. They would do Facebook on this. And what I see the world becoming more of a social media universe where people are say, hey, I just discovered something new today, and it's kind of neat. They send it out to 100 friends, and all of a sudden you've created a wave of acceptance onto something because it was 140 characters. But hey, do you see that thing that Peter's doing now? That's really neat, you know, and then it goes out uh, through social media. It's really important, Dan, and one of the concepts we've talked about before that I wrote about is this idea of super credibility. Mm-hmm. And I think it plays an important role in acceptance, right? So how people first hear about an idea impacts whether they accept it and whether they're confident in it. So as I'm an entrepreneur, how you roll out a product on what stage you announce something really matters because if you roll it out in a non-confident fashion, in a low-key fashion, it may never grab momentum. If you can roll it out in a super credible fashion where it's like, wow, that's amazing. Mm -hmm. Look who's supporting that. Then all of a sudden it starts getting very rapid acceptance. So that's, I think, a very important part of this acceptance momentum is is how people first learning about learn about it. That makes sense? I'll give you a specific example on this, the social impact. Well, let's call it social credibility. But I had a dinner in Chicago at our house in Chicago the night before a strategic coach workshop. And I had six people over, Babs and I, and then there were six other people. Mm -hmm. And we found out in the course of the discussion that all six of them owned Teslas. Mm. (laughs) Yeah. We don't put a lot of mileage on our cars, but we like having the car. We had an X5, a BMW X5, for 12 years, and we had 40,000 miles on it. So that kind of tells you how much we drive. Yeah. And Bab says, you know, I'm, I'm going to go look at the Tesla. She says, I'm just going to go for, you know, a test drive. And she came back. She had tried out, you know, a couple other car companies. And she said, I love it. I'm going to buy it. But here's my point, that without that social reinforcement and the credibility that came from the six people, It had been another five years before probably we would have even explored the idea. And that's the sort of acceptance momentum. Well, if six people show up at our house and we discover in the course of a conversation that all six of them have switched over to a Tesla, it just woke our brain up. Well, let's look at the Tesla. And so we got one. Hmm. Fascinating. There's a subject I want to explore in more detail in our next podcast, which is going to be there's a near-term future in which 
today when you're buying stuff like a car, your social realm will influence that. But there's going to be an interesting point in the future, Dan, when you and Babs stop buying things that you choose and your AI buys things for you. You know, there's a point at which my AI is going to say, if you need toilet paper, instead of you deciding you want one brand or another, it's going to go and check with all of the AIs of all of your friends and what they buy and what is liked and what's cheap. And it's going to start making purchase decisions on your behalf. So the question is, what are we going to make decisions on what we buy versus what our ecosystem makes decisions for us? And another subject I've been thinking about is what's the value of brand in you buy something, right? Mm -hmm. How important is a brand of consumer goods versus luxury goods? And so some interesting things that come to my mind as we're talking about this. Yeah. So the AI have their social media and they, you know, they say, you know, recommend to your owners that this is what they should. And better yet, just order it for them. Yeah. Just automatically stock (laughs) it. They won't even notice the difference, you know. But anyway, this is interesting because I just profoundly feel we've entered a new world. You know, I was an early predictor of certain uh, election campaigns because I was really paying attention to what the social media buzz was more than what the commentators and the main newspapers, I wasn't paying any attention to them. I said, I, I don't think that this is how it's being determined anymore. And my feeling is, what is the normal kind of talk that people have every day that influences them to accept new things? And right. that's really what I'm trying to get a handle on here. Well, I think as an entrepreneur, understanding what you're doing that's going to cause your product to become accepted and desired from the beginning is critically important. How do you make it go viral? How do you launch it super credibly? Mm -hmm. All of those things are important. Absolutely. Good. All right, Dan. A pleasure as always. See you soon. Okay. Take care.